0: symbol of excellence in sports
1: entertainment the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production
0: The Hogan Era Podcast. I'm your host, JP John Paz. We have a very special guest with us today. He's, of course, the son of Mister Wonderful Paul of one of Hulk Hogan's greatest feuds of all time, Mister Travis owner of Travis, how are you doing today? Hey, John. I'm well, man. How are you? Doing good. Before we kind of get into it, what's going on in your world as far as Mr. Wonderful? Because you guys are coming out with stuff fast and furious.
1: You know, um, I was blessed uh, to, um, you know, for the past year I've been working on these things. uh, And it's hard to do while you're grieving. So some of these things take longer than others. Like, you know, we just got the tombstone, you know, was finally installed. Um, And of course, it's so funny because, I, you know, I got to post the picture of when I got to go see it. And, uh, you know, of course I'm tearing up as we pull up and, but I'm, I'm a good, probably 30 yards away and understand I have to wear reading glasses, but from 30 yards away, I look at, I go, Oh, I see the mistake. And they, (laughs) they forgot to put the quotes in front of Mr. Wonderful on it. So, uh, luckily I called them and that's an easy fix. They just go out and, and put them in. But, um, you know, after that, I was able to go through the legal requirements to get and become, uh, the, uh, executor of my father's estate. And uh, so, you know, it's always been my dream. Um, I say always over the last year, this is my dream has grown uh, and, and my purpose has grown. Um, but, it, it, you know, God gave me a vision last year. And, and I think dad gave me a vision when I was younger of what, you know, ultimately he wanted to see. Um, I never thought I would actually be able to do it or 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 have the tools or skill set to do it but um you know i I, after i became his executor you know we've we've been able to launch the page uh we've recently launched uh uh uh, merchandise um and uh his his first run of t-shirts through fighters first um we have a couple other merchandise deals in the works um i know a lot of uh fans that we see on instagram and on facebook uh, twitter um are, uh, have given us some specific requests, uh, you know, things like, you know, specific like photos of dad when he was at certain, certain points of his career or, um, some t-shirts that look like his robe, um, that that's come up several times and, uh, or different, you know, his different robes. Cause he had, you know, five or six over, well, he right. really had eight, but five or six most people would know about. <clears throat> and especially, it's always funny to me because people will tell me their favorite robe. And they'll say, I love that tuxedo robe he wore in WCW. And I'm like, dude, I completely forgot about that. The only ones in my mind were the blue and red ones. That's the only ones that ever have existed, yeah. you know, for me and in and, and my heart. Right. Those were, I don't know. I You know, this blue robe back here, I, I it's a true story. I it was like, uh, 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 for Halloween. And, um, so, you know, this was very much my childhood. I got to see it and, and obviously- Was you know not so much. So, uh, but yeah, we're we're building this out. Um, You know, we've got um, we've got the merchandise. We've got uh, we just launched uh, our first little. um, You know, you know the the month of October is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, That's something that you know I've personally you know uh, dealt with um, addiction, uh, depression, things of that nature, and uh, you know been through counseling, and uh, by the grace of God came through. And, uh, so we, we, we launched, uh, you know, the, our first, uh, Hindu squat challenge. Dad used to do like 1,500 in one set. Uh, There was a, there's a rumor he did 2,600 without stopping, um, uh, back when he was with Hiro Matsuda. Um, but you know, the challenge is to, to try to do a thousand Hindu squats in 21 days. So it starts on October 10th. It runs through the uh, 31st and, uh, that's 50 a day roughly. Um, so, you know, breaking it down 10 you know five sets of, of 10 you know 8 a.m 10 a.m you know it took me about three days for my hip flexors to adjust and my achilles to to stretch out um but when they do and you get into motion it's funny i i i my dad used to tell me this but when you get your when you get your hips in it right and it gets you can go without on the stopping and, and you can get that momentum and 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 uh, rhythm um but it's yeah it was harder than i thought i got i i, I did like 25 in a row and I uh, I just remember I walked a little funny the next today, but uh, so yeah, so so we're hoping to have at least fifty people participate. We want them to just send us a short video of them doing a quick, you know, Hindu squat, and and then tell us uh, and give us inspiration and motivation around what why they work out, and and you know, a positive message message to those dealing with mental health. Um, you know, I, I specifically have uh, attention ADHD. And uh, I'm sure that's going to blow everybody away that has ever heard me speak. Uh, (laughs) That is not a secret. Um, But it, you know, it was something I struggled with. Um, And there, you know, when I was younger, it was just that I, you know, couldn't sit still or, you know, I had specific, you know, sounds I didn't like. And then, you know, when you don't have an answer for why you can't remember or think through things, but it makes sense in your head um, or that you can't read a, you know, a sentence or watch a TV show without rewinding it 10 seconds to remember what they said, um, you know, it causes depression. You really, you really, I, you know, I, there was something wrong with my brain and um, you know, you, you know, I dealt with that for so many years and undiagnosed and then, you know, dealt with addiction because of that depression, you know, it, it becomes that spiral. And, and, and uh so I'm grateful to be on this side of it and bring awareness to, to this month and, and hopefully inspire people. I know that, um the one of the number one things you can do is be active you know and uh, sedentary life you know is just is just a mechanism of depression you know that make your brain feel better when you work out so we really want to connect those two dots of of being healthy and active and and that's why it's like 50 a day it sounds like a lot but if you're not doing much and you break it up 10, five times a day isn't so bad and doesn't you know you'll be able to walk the next day for sure which is something my dad did not allow when I went to the gym with him. Um, but uh, you know we're building this we've got we've got um, we've got plans to continue to use the merchandise and the profit from that to build out you know the nonprofit. Uh, we want to continue to give back to other wrestlers as we have in in, in the most recent as well as help out uh, families of wrestlers and uh, so this is a, this is a journey. And uh, we're, we're kind of at the beginning stages. Uh, we start recording again on Wednesday for some kind of wonderful. Uh, we took a break as I was uh, transitioning and dealing with some health issues. So, uh, which, you know, I'm, you know, we're, we're, we're making a lot of progress. Um, um, I think I told you, you know, my dad and I have that same right arm and injury. I yeah.
0: just have, I just yeah. have the
1: scar to prove it. So, um, you know, that caused a lot of damage to, you know, multiple facets but uh i say all that to say uh uh very blessed very grateful to the fans uh the response the questions the comments uh the memes the pictures the stories um dude i probably i i genuinely cry reading instagram five times a week you know, and, and my wife is like, what are you reading? I'm like an Instagram story from this guy that met my dad, you know, <laughs> and, and it's this heartwarming story about how my dad encouraged them to build a relationship with their father. And I'm just like, man, he's still giving back. And, uh, you know, I just I just, you know, I, I hated being Mr. Wonderful Son for a long time. John, I really did. It It it, it sucked. And, and, and I was was resentful of it because, you know, I had to share my dad so much, but um, and i was resentful that i had to sometime somehow carry this forward and uh you know i i genuinely found my purpose and and i'm i'm not only proud uh to be his son i'm okay riding his coattails because um he his legacy needs to be shared and it needs to be continued and i, I have no doubt that god gave me the voice to do it
0: Now, here each and every week on the Hogan Era podcast, talking about the greatest matches, moments, feuds in the history of the Hogan Era, which, of course, 1984 to 1993, Hogan's really golden era in the WWF. But I pick out individual guys and I kind of focus on them. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff would be in in me, me personally, my personal top five of of Hogan feuds because, you know, you got Piper, you got Andre, you got Savage. Uh, I love Big Boss Man, so that would be my fourth one. But. Uh, Paul Orndorff is right in there. You can kind of mix and match who's one, two, three, four, and five. But to me, what an awesome feud because you talk about money made. You talk about um, just like the level of you know importance of the feud. You talk about just the matches were awesome. So to me, Hogan Orndorff has got to be a top five Hogan feud. But to you, do you like the Hulkster? Did you like the Hulkster? Did your dad like the Hulkster? Like what was the relationship like with, with Hulk and your dad? Uh, John, I apologize. You cut
1: out on that question it it froze up could you repeat the question did you like the hulkster did
0: your dad like the hulkster
1: oh okay um so there's two answers to this and 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 there are a lot of times was with my father um the the man that i knew as he grew older and became more um i think humble um in many ways, I mean, he was always humble, but there was a there was a sense of security in his humility that that wasn't always there when he was younger. If that makes sense. Um, you know, uh, self-confidence in this humility. Um, and he was uh, gracious and grateful. And uh, my father was many things, but he wasn't always gracious. He just could be, you know, he was intense. So he was kind of a bull in a china shop in most situations. And so I I think there was some resentment absolutely towards Hogan um, during that run that, that uh, he didn't want to give up the belt and uh, you know, didn't want to, you know, didn't want to put dad over. Um, And you know, that's part of the business and dad was never a uh, he was never, you know, for lack of better words, he, he he was never the, um, He was never the good kid in class. He wasn't the kiss up, you know? So if dad didn't like something, he said it. And, you know, as, as the business grew and egos grew and money grew, um, and television grew and, um, you, you have to understand dad, dad wanted the recognition. He wanted the title who wouldn't have. And I think in comparison to any other wrestler who didn't become a champion, dad without a doubt was the closest. And, and I mean that because, and I, and I, I read this, so correct me if I'm wrong, John, if you know, dad had 11 main event matches with Hogan, which is five more than the next closest wrestler. So dad in that period of time and, and, and Hulk, it wasn't different. There wasn't different headliners every other, you know, about it was him and dad and they carried that legacy in those years. Um, by themselves, by the two of them, you know, that heat with Hogan, um, you know, again, there's a reason why the Great Betrayal still resonates with people today with the, the heel turn, because that mom, that momentum and moment that they had prior to leading up to WrestleMania, then you had the switch and the heart and the baby face, and then now you have them as enemies. And it was that I mean, WrestleMania was, was, was the beginning, if you will, that just set a foundation for the relationship between the two of them, and then each incident grew. So that rivalry that you saw was was built from WrestleMania, you know, to that point. And I think because people, that was really the first time they saw wrestling in many cases, was WrestleMania 1. Um, I think that was the first few people got engaged in. So in, in my mind, and I say this um, with all due respect to everybody else, uh, that to me was the most important one simply because it was the first for television, not for territories, not for people that loved wrestling. I'm talking about for the casual fan that was brought in to what was the mania of wrestling during 84, 85, 86. And, and, uh, that's why those guys, you know, it, it's called the golden era. Uh, you know, there was wrestlers before that there was NWA titles before that. There's a reason it, 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 it became a mainstream culture, uh, at that point. And, and, you know, what's funny is you look back at those times, you know, during the cold war, you know, most of the uh, e- even comic books were still referencing, you know, the U S versus Russia, you know, when, when Hogan got the, the title, he took it from, you know, Sheik. So that was from Iran. So you had all the Iran Contra, all these things were going on that were very political. And in spite of that, the biggest rivalry of those days was my dad one all American versus, versus, you know, the fat bald guy. And, um, you know, that was still an American versus an American and people could root for both. And that was, you know, people didn't really root for chic. I mean, not at those points in time, you know, nobody was like a heel fan of the chic. Um, I, I, I don't really know many people that like him now. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the fact that they were able to translate, Two human beings that had never watched wrestling was was uh you know was is it, transcendent You just can't you can't you can't duplicate the first time and you can't duplicate. I think I think it's ironic that they have such intense matches. I think dad wanted to show it to him when he didn't get the belt. Um, I think that 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 negativity and some of that anxiety, I think Vince fostered fostered it and 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 harnessed it and it came out in those matches i think if you have dad in a good mood he's still gonna have a great match but dad pissed off gave you a phenomenal match you know and and i think vince played to that a lot and 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 again i go back to this last piece is at those times when you came out of the territories and i don't think the business has changed that dramatically much but it has just because of contracts it was always the dangle of the carrot john it was always, you know, like you didn't know if you were going to be a title run next week, even if you had the title this week, if you pissed off the territory, you you know, whoever's running the territory. And so it was always, well, you may have a job next week, but you know, and then you may be looking for a job in another territory because you got let go that it was, it was very, you know, very anxiety, high, you know, turnover, crazy, nothing was promised. And so you dad had that attitude going into WWF. So I think he kind of was like a, I don't know, like a, a kid with three brothers where he just felt like he had to kind of hoard his piece of the pie or he was going to lose it because that's what the what it was like. I don't think that was Vince's long-term plan. I think if dad had stayed um, and I think if dad had been more uh, amenable, um, he probably would have had a title run during, the, during those 86, 87 years. That would have been – even after he came back from an injury, I think Vince would have done it. But, you know, things didn't – they didn't turn out that way.
0: So your dad and Hulk obviously have some history. Florida boys, both trained by Hiro Matsuda, basically. So then they both end up in New Japan Pro Wrestling in 1980, and they're teaming together. So, I mean, they have history together. They know each other before WWF, but when... Hogan is champion in 1984 one of his very first feuds in 84 which people might forget about as well was with your dad so it was like mm-hmm. Max Superstar kind of was like the first little mini feud but then he started to run against your dad so it was like we need guys that he could feud with and eventually it's going to be Piper after that but we need guys who he could feud with that this title run is not going to be a flop I mean we he's awesome he's got the all the charisma in the world but he needs opponents like if Batman were to fight just a random dude it's like yeah okay whatever but if he fights Joker fights Penguin. He fights Riddler. It's like somebody right, formidable. Now, right. Now I'm interested. So that's the thing to me. It's like, wow, immediately Vince saw something in your dad and Hulk that he's like, okay, we have something here. And this was back in basically February of 1984.
1: Well, I, but here's what I, 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 and I think you know this, but Vince Sr. is the one that went after my dad um, in 1980. right? And um Uh, Dad said he wasn't ready to go and didn't go and stayed in Georgia. And then he went in 82. And uh, so Vince Sr. had already planted that bug in Vince Jr.'s ear or vice versa. But that plan had already been in mind in 1980 when they were building up. In fact, I think if dad had gone earlier, you know, uh, he might have taken the title from Backlund, you know, along those lines and then had a run against Hogan after that 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 I could have seen but you know again things uh, people are like oh they would have drawn so much money they drew so much money anyway They're like yeah. putting the, it, had they taken the title off of hogan you know everybody has these speculations we have no idea it would have been the same let's just be honest everybody just have a different memory and if you were born then and and if you grew up in that in that era then that's your favorite time cuz you were 10 and it was magical And, uh, you know, some people grow out of that and some people don't, but, um, you know, those, those were magical times Hogan, um, you know, uh, you know, he's still doing the same gimmick 50 years later.
0: Yeah. It's funny too because people say, oh, the, a Piper should have got a title run. Bundy could have got a run or Piper uh, or, or your dad or. It's Big just because that's dad. who like, they liked. Right. Whoever they liked, they kind of threw in there. But I always throw out the caveat, kind of like you said. Do you think you would have made more money with Hogan as not champion chasing? You're like, well, I don't know. Well, if you don't know, then don't do it because they already made a shitload of money with Hogan. So here's. It, yeah. And this is the. If they
1: had put the, the title on Piper or my dad. And they could have gone through the three of them for a while. Um, They could have gone through the three of them for three or four years and had epic battles. You know, that just wasn't the plan. And at the time, you know, it's always, you know, you're always looking back. Um, You know, they should have had a title run. I think the only reason my dad would have wanted a title is because he would want, but he would have wanted a paycheck with it. And I think Roddy would have said the same thing. So I don't think they wanted it for peanuts either.
0: When you look at it, your dad is like such a great foil for Hogan. Did he make Hogan not tougher because obviously Hogan, you know, he's, he's been around. I mean, Matsuda broke his leg and he came back, so there's a level of toughness. But do you think he was like pushing Hogan to almost be like more of his style because your dad's rough and tumble? I mean, he and, and sometimes he dropped the elbow. And I remember Hogan in an interview saying like, man, he'd really let me know he was there. Like he would, you know, he he'd dropped some stuff on him.
1: Uh, yeah, I have no doubt. And, 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 and so here's, <laughs> okay. Uh, so again, I'm ADHD and, and somebody might say to me, Travis, I need you to do this halfway. Cause I'm pretty sure you're halfway as everybody else's all way, you know? So, uh, dad would look at any, like dad may be named five people that he wrestled, that he was like, they could wrestle. And he didn't mean it in a bad way. It didn't mean they weren't workers or they weren't, you know, he would say a good worker, but like he needed somebody that could hustle. And what, I mean, if you go back and watch a lot of his matches, cause I catch them, you know, when, as, as we archive and find this stuff, man, you'll see some of these wrestlers, you can see them tapping out with dad. Like he's doing a move and you'll just see this. If you watch, you'll see this and dad will kind of wrench it again. Cause they need a second and you can see their bellies just exposed because, they're blowing up. They can't. They can't catch their breath. And this is three minutes into the match. Um. I. Uh, and, and and you know, Hogan was a much more technical wrestler back then. But he was a freak of nature. He's a big dude. And so to expect some of the movement that people expect from him, I think. I think they've almost made him smaller and forget how big he was. He was darn near as big as Andre the Giant. Like that dude was huge. So expecting the nimbleness that my dad had, I think. You know, if you ever see my dad do the uh, frog leaps, dude, he gets above the third rope like that, dude, could he had his legs were legit. Right. Um, so seeing, you know, seeing how dad wrestled with Hogan and hearing what Hogan has said Dad, uh, Hogan has said, it, you know, at least from what I've read and, and, and been told, uh, you know, dad was the, the toughest SOB he ever wrestled. Um, and I think dad raised the bar for anybody that was in the ring, because if he if now dad wouldn't hurt you. But dad wouldn't work with you after that. So I, I think dad, I think when you got in the ring, you knew if you didn't know what you're getting into, you found out real quick. Um, you know, I I, I I liken it to like getting a job and somebody's like, hey, this manager is really, really tough. And you're like, yeah, I can handle it. And then you walk in and you get punched in the mouth and you're like, oh, I didn't you know, I, I can't handle this. So dad raised the bar, I think, for anybody that got in the ring with him and the guys that, you know, could run with him. I, you know, I, I don't think people realize how athletic and talented Tito Santana was, um, and they have some phenomenal matches, um, and it's bam, 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 um, bam, and, uh, you know, but that wasn't, Tito wasn't the norm, and that was not, the the way he felt about working with Tito was not something he felt about many people.
0: With Hogan. I mean, there's this classic Hogan match against like big guys like Stud or Bundy or Andre or something, but obviously Savage and your dad, it's completely different. He's got to work a little bit smaller guy. I mean, and obviously your dad's a different style. So I mean he's got to work differently, but it's very good matches. And like Hogan always says, like if he doesn't want to work with you politically, he's just gonna not gonna work with you because you're not money. He'd always want to work your dad because he was money. So, regardless of if, if he's like, Oh, maybe, oh, maybe it's a little too stiff. He didn't give two shits because he was making a lot of money with your dad. And that was the number one thing for Hogan. This guy I can draw money with. Like, so I'll feud with him 84, 85, 86, 87. Like, he'll feud with him for three or four straight years if need be.
1: And, and you know, going back to did he like Hogan? I, I genuinely think my dad did like him. I think dad just had a chip on his shoulder about some things that happened. During his career, many of those self-inflicted, you know, I know that people don't want to hear me say this, it's my father. I'm going to be honest about it. And cause my father was honest with me about it. These are the things he said to me later in life. Um, but I can tell you, you know, the flip side of this is dad. I, I never heard him say like real bad stuff about him ever, you know, uh, other than when he was in kayfabe character mode. And right. then I'd be like, all right, all right which one do i which one is it? Which like, just tell me, the, tell me you, tell me you, Um, but, um, you you know, when I was 19, I was in college at Samford. I might've still been 18. I can't remember. But, um, I, uh, we, um, we went to see a show up in, uh, I took you know a couple of my college roommates and we went to, uh, Huntsville, Alabama. And the first, the first person dad brought me to was Terry. And, you know, he's like, Terry, Terry. And, you know, runs me over to the room and Terry sitting there's like oh my god you know and so I think deep down they were you know dads this is what I'd say dad said this later on this is truly what I believe was in his heart they were brothers they were brothers you know you don't always like your brother in the moment but at the end you love him and I, I, I think deep down I know Roddy was like blood to him Um, I think Hulk was too. I think if Terry had called him at any point and said, I need this from you, Paul, dad would have said, I'm there right now. What do you need? Whether it was uh, somebody to knock somebody out or whatever. So I, I think at the end of the day, dad would have had his back.
0: When you look at it, it's like they obviously shared a lot of ring time, got a lot of road time together. So, I mean, they're with each other a long period of time, especially if you look at, at beginning of 84, basically February. They're feuding until March of 85. I mean, they're like I mean, basically once or twice a month for basically 84 into March of 85. They're having matches here in their MSG sometimes. Yeah, I mean, that's, places, that's the so. ones
1: you saw on TV. That's not the ones they did on the road when they were just traveling from town to right. town. Because right. I can remember going and, and, you know, looking back on that time, you know, when I was around him, when when we were in the this is, you know, I, and I don't know how it was. I'm, I'm doing the best I can to remember a lot of these things, you know, the time frames, the year I was, you know, how old were you? God, I think, you know, yeah, it, it, you know, I it, you know, I didn't chronicle this like uh, Josephus when I was six years old, like I should have. I apologize. Um, And uh, but but. Back then, I don't remember. Hogan had his own little dressing room. He he kind of stayed to himself. Uh, Jimmy was in there. There was a few guys, but it was, I remember those dressing rooms, because I went in there, you know, and dad would go to play in a match. We would go in. I would just sit over in the corner or whatever, but, um, you know, dad, Hope, uh, Terry had maybe three or four guys in the room, and dad was in the normal dressing room with everybody. Um, he was always over in the corner, and he had his little bands he would work out with, and which is basically a rubber hose, you know, like one of those, uh, turning yeah. looking things. Yeah. And that's what I thought were bands for years. And now they sell them all over Amazon. I'm like my dad was doing that back in 84. Um, why didn't we, why didn't we come up with something back then?
0: Mass marketed.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mr. Wonderful workout equipment. We could have them jump through a, you know, sheetrock like, uh, the Kool-Aid man. Um, but you know, going back to that that time frame when we traveled Terry and I like I can remember being some you know some some bus rides and you know Randy Savage would be on there um uh, Tito JYD my dad you know a bunch of other guys would be you know it'd be a tour bus we'd go from town to town and you know Terry would go by himself but he was always doing other promos and marketing I mean that dude was getting pulled like Tiger woods at a golf tournament
0: when you look at it too, It's all building with your dad and Hulk to WrestleMania one. And obviously his pocketbook is probably pretty good at this point, meaning you guys are probably doing good because if you're feuding with Hulk, you're at the top of the card, you're making the most money. So, I mean, that's great. But then, I mean, this is kind of like the apex here, Mr. T and Hulk versus your dad and Rowdy, Roddy Piper with Orton in the corner. And then of course, Snook is in Hogan's corner. uh, WrestleMania one Madison square garden. Man, I mean, this is just uh, bigger than big. The greatest wrestling event of all time, as Vince coined it. Match goes about 13 minutes, 30 seconds. Hulk and Mr. T win. Apparently, the, as the story goes, Piper didn't want to lose and want to take the fall. Your dad agreed to take the fall, but obviously Orton hits him with the the cast. And, and, and we go from there. But I guess Piper was playing a little hardball with Hulk. Your dad, a little bit more business savvy, was like, nope. you know, I'll do it. I don't have a problem. We're going to have, you know, maybe we're going to do it this way.
1: Well, so, (laughs) oh, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Um, there was a lot going on at those times. You got to know that those guys were young in New York and, uh, all of a sudden on top of the world, Liberace, Muhammad Ali, Cindy Lauper, Mr. T, the, the rule was none of them are going to lose to Mr. T. Right. That was the given, right? And um, there was – somebody brought it up, and it was uh, met with hostility. And I think chairs were thrown that it was even breathed. Um, and that was next. And so then that, I think, was pro- – if I'm Vince McMahon – I'm throwing that out there because now I got a negotiation to start with. Here's how bad it could be. Anything other than this is better. So, um, you know, my dad was. A lot of times he could be a great soldier and and in his WCW years, he was a great soldier. And I think even at the power plant, he was a great general. Um, And I think that day he knew that was what was needed um he didn't really lose to Hogan because of a leg drop I think that was um relevant you know how the finish was you know I I think all that was brought together to ensure that all these men maintained and nobody really lost because when dad gets left in the ring he's now the victim as opposed to the loser right you know so the way they played and scripted that all out I think Vince would have if you know again I'm I'm making assumptions because I I believe this is how I would have thought about it. Not that I have any vision like he does, but my thought press would, would have been to sit down with him and go, let me explain to you the next six months to a year. Here's how this happens. You lose, you take the hit, but this is how it happens. You don't, you know, you don't get finished. And then, you know, we're going to have, you know, we're going to build this out because dad becoming a face after that was, is financially rewarding as the, next turn back to heel so you know and going back to those days dad you know you think about these guys let me tell you how we kept our money in the house just just for a a point of reference because my dad bought a hundred thousand dollar house in fayetteville georgia you know he didn't go to connecticut and buy the expensive houses like those guys did he didn't want anything to do with it he was right near the airport and you know in the the hometown of delta pilots and the red coat employee. No, I'm not even joking. It's like the, all of Peachtree City and and Georgia. Oh, really? It's that's where they all live. Oh, that's where they all live, and they they work oh, at okay. the. Oh, like literally, all the Delta pilots moved there in the mid '80s. It's it's 15 minutes. You get on the interstate. You're 15 minutes from the the interstate, and it's a golf cart community and 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 a planned community, all that stuff. So, Dad's vision, uh, you know, at that time. Uh, around money was, you know, get a house that you can afford It was the first house he ever bought. We lived, he grew up in trailers. We rented trailers or apartments until we bought that house. So it was his first house, his only house. Um, you know, he lived there until he came to live well, until he went to the hospital and then came to live with me. Um, and, uh, but we would have money in like, I am not kidding. I, I thought I broke my toe once because, There was, uh, remember those old Tupperware that were like red with the clear tops and the yellow. So we had those and they were stuffed in the freezer with cash in them. And one of them had like 20 grand in it and it fell out onto my toe. And I thought I broke my toe. That was our, that was our savings account back when I was, you know, six or seven years old. Damn. So they were making, yeah. Dad said he got like one, one, one match. Oh, I remember one time we, I was, it was at the Omni and it was like a, you know, I don't remember what they call the match where you got to, you know, the first person to get out of the uh, cage out of, you know, but it's like a a battle Royal kind of, you know, first person out of the cage. And um, (laughs) we were leaving the Omni. So dad and I leave my baseball game or my karate tournament, leave my karate tournament. We drive to the Omni. We pull up. There's a valet there. He goes, leave it on. Dad walks up in his trunks, goes out to the battle Royal, jumps out of the ring, wins it, comes back out, gets in the car and we go home. He goes, that was the easiest twenty five thousand I've ever made. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you know that was yeah. I, no that was like true story. I remember just going, you know, hey, you know and that didn't. It, that was a normal sounding conversation as a kid, so it sounds sensational. But you know that that's kind of how my dad talked to me, even when I was was young. Was hey, this is the business and this is how it works.
0: So it's so interesting that after the WrestleMania thing, he basically turns babyface, and he's going to end up feuding with Piper and Orton who they had dissension because they lost to Hogan and Mr. T. So then Hogan and your dad start teaming. And that's an interesting kind of thing. Cause it's like, wow, they hated each other, but now they're teammates. Now they're brothers. Now they're buddies and they're going up against Orton and Piper. And then eventually like guys like the moon dog. So I love that match. It's short and sweet, but I love that match. Yeah. And I then, always
1: like watching the moon dogs when I was a yeah. kid too.
0: And then, uh, Bundy and Stud. I mean, it, it's awesome to see like, wow, Hogan and Order for are going to team, can they make this like, were you thinking, you know, when you're a kid, like, oh, now we're, now we're with Hogan. Like we hated him. Now we like Hogan.
1: So, yeah, and I think, I don't know that I've shared this uh, with you before. The, the reality is, John, I didn't watch any of my dad's matches. So I was like 16 or 17. Wow. Okay. I was in the back of the, I mean, I saw WrestleMania because we went to the Omni on closed circuit television. And that was the first match. My next my next memory of being old enough to sit down and watch one of my dad's matches was, I think it was 93, Clash of the titans uh, Arn Anderson, which is still one of my favorite matches. Because I started watching my dad's matches because we had VHS tapes that people would send uh, back then. Um, so I remember after I saw dad wrestle, because I was actually nervous, and I knew the outcome. You know, like I knew it was going to happen. I still was like, oh, you know, and then dad reverts a small package. I was like excited. And uh, so I went back to tapes and me and a bunch of buddies uh, started watching wrestling at the house. And so I was 17 years old. But before that, when I was on the like, I mean, I might have seen a glimpse, but, you know, dad wasn't going to let me go sit out in the stands and watch a match. So the matches I watched, I watched on a little TV screen back in the back and listen to the wrestlers commentate. So I don't think anybody, when I got older, liked listening to or watching a match with me. Cause I'd be like, Oh, they missed that camera spot. You know, Oh, his back's turned, you know, like, and, and I'm, I'm not saying I knew what I was talking about, but that's just what I heard. And so that's what I observed. And I remember one day I was sitting there watching it with dad. And I said something, he's like, you were listening, you know, <laughs> it's just like this right. little surprise, but I, I it was one of, in fact, I was watching one of his old matches And uh, I was like, dad, you had to do a full 180 to get in front of the camera. How'd you know the camera was there? And he was like, oh, the light. And I'm like, oh. And then he looked at me. He's like, oh, you were listening. I was like, well, yeah, I've been watching this crap for 30, you know, whatever. Right. And um, so, but but it was, yeah, all the, everything I ever saw was like, you know, a TV TV smaller than um, your computer screen right now, probably like 13 inches. And, you know, sitting around with a bunch of chairs, almost like a prison you know like you'd see in a tv show like the the semicircle watching that small tv that's you know up on the wall cuz you're inside of a of of a of, you know a dressing room yep so uh yeah that that was my experience watching wrestling so dad dad's matches and stuff like i i still am catching new ones to this day because you know most of what i watched was vhs and then i've watched it on the internet and um you know it's 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 a you know it's just so funny to to think about it but You know, what I do think when I look back at watching those Hogan matches that made it so special is that I think that their relationship is almost uncomfortable watching on television. And it makes it interesting because you, yeah, you believe he's supposed to be a good guy, but there's something just in your gut instinct going, I know this is going to end badly, but you still want to watch it. And that's just good television. Not good wrestling. That's just good television. And I think that's something that they captured during that time for TV when it really started to get a push. People were vested in their relationship, and they were waiting for it to go bad. Everybody knew he was going to turn. Like They might have not known when or how or what, but everybody saw because he had to be a bad guy still. But I also believe that Rowdy Roddy Piper and my dad – um, and I, you correct me if I'm wrong. I've gone back and I've those are the two first heels that really got over on a crowd where they would root for them over another guy uh, that was a baby face, even maybe not Hogan, for example. I mean, the, there were a lot of people cheering for my dad when Hogan was was popular too. there. That was this that was a, there was times that was a split market um, more than a
0: when you look at it, when he turns on him, like you said, people were expecting it or or they, they kind of saw it come, but they didn't know when, when he turns on them though. That's awesome. I mean, that's such a a great moment the close line and beating the shit out of him. Eventually.
1: That he absolutely, at least, you know, and I've seen Hogan's older matches. when they were in WCW because my friends watched it and, you know, we were a little bit older and that's just what was on. But, um, I you gotta give Terry credit. He always sold my dad, always. Yeah. A- in fact, his 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 some of the pile drivers my dad did to him, I still think are some of the best sales he's ever like they're legit great. And that's what was crazy about my dad with Hogan. Sometimes dad looked like he killed him, and Hogan put it over. And I don't know that Hogan did it that well for anybody else as he did my dad. Now, I also think he might have been afraid of not doing it for my dad because I think my dad might have actually done something. But, you know, I give I give him credit that he was he was willing to do as much as he did to sell my dad at that time because he didn't do that for Warrior.
0: When you look at it, I mean, just the way he levels him and it just like everyone's like, oh, because obviously he sells it good, but it looks like he kills him. You know what I mean? He he really, yeah.
1: Yeah. Dad, dad could put that momentum behind it, but you had to have the guy that would take the bump. Otherwise dad really would have hurt you too. You know, dad could swing through. So I think there was a look, you know, again, there's an art to some of that. And, um, the guys that grew up with the Matsudas and the, 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 um, uh, Oh God, I just, his name just, uh, Bill Watts, you know, Eddie Graham, um, you had a very well-rounded and balanced education around wrestling. And then the more you put into it, the more you got out of it. Um, Dad had grown up with some technical wrestlers. And, and, and so he integrated some of those things. I think that's why my dad has such a, if you go back and look at his repertoire of moves, we've come up with over 78 uh, and, and some wrestlers were looking at 30 to 35. Um, And so he had such a, a wide array. Hulk didn't have that, but, um, he knew how to take a bump. He knew, how to, he knew how to sell a crowd. He knew how to work a crowd. He knew the angles. He, you know, he, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, he was a better wrestler than I think people give him credit for. I just don't know. But, but he has more longevity because he didn't hurt himself. So, you know, I, in my mind, he's probably the smarter one of the most, uh, you know, one of the smarter ones
0: too. So look at it when he turns on him and he didn't and he teams up with Heenan, he comes out in some shows to Hogan's music. I mean, he does things that really, really get under people's skin. So it's like, oh, okay, yeah. he, he feels awesome stuff. So he feuds with him, 8045 45. There's so much interest that there's WrestleMania off of him and Piper. But then when it happens in 86, for whatever reason, that really revved it up. I mean, that was just on another level because you go to Toronto exhibition stadium, Right. And like everybody's clamoring it. WBF thought thinks that they're gonna sell like ten thousand to twelve thousand tickets. They sell sixty-five thousand tickets. So you think people are into Hogan versus Order for the big event, which they ended up going at the big event? Well, yeah. And it is amazing. about seventy
1: thousand.
0: Yeah, amazing. And so of course cool. I was just showing you before joking around, I was showing you the the awesome tape of it. Yeah. Which I just got, but um, awesome. I mean, 65,000. So they say on, on the, on the rec, on the, uh, on the tape here, but it, what an audience to think you're going to get 12,000 and people are show it to Hogan and Orndorff that it does over 60,000, 65, seven. I mean, that's nuts.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, I, I don't, they caught lightning in a bottle and it, you know, again, I think to me, that's still, I I was actually talking to somebody the other day. I was trying to think of how to compare the spectacle of WrestleMania and the energy around it and what it was like to grow up around that energy and then try to replace that by going, I've gone to, you know, I'm a huge University of Miami fan. I've been to several big games, Florida State. The energy of that time period around wrestling and the way how passionate people, because I see passionate fans today and they are into it, man. But it was a whole different breed. I mean, I saw women fight with each other in the grocery store over Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Right. That right. wasn't that's not something you see everywhere, but you'd see it down in Louisiana, buddy. So um, that was that was such a a, a magical moment because dad and, and Hogan is the last rivalry. That people still believed. After that rivalry, the next year in 87, it became a, a, a sporting event and then you had the split of people that thought, "Oh, it's fake," and I've been telling you it's fake. And then the people they're like, "No, it's still real." You know, there was that it lost its magic in '87, and I don't mean that other than that was just the time in which it it was no longer you know uh, uh, believed as as well as it was because you know the whole thing came out on ESPN, and you know it was there. There was a momentum change, so I think there was something magical about that time where people really believed my dad and him were going at it. And then, you know, that naiveness, when it goes, it's completely gone. Once you know Santa's not real, that's it. And, uh, you know, when that when they let that genie out of the bottle, I think you saw just a, a different evolution. But that's why I think that was so special and why you saw 70,000 people there, because they genuinely believed. And you don't bring an extra 50,000 people. That, to me, was comparable to the Roman Colosseum. And the gladiators, and that kind of energy—I imagine that existed there. And, and I said that's the only thing I could compare it to, and 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 the only thing I think I, I actually came up with another one was European football it is probably very similar. It, you know, the energy, passion—you know, fans fighting—that is literally what you'd see at a wrestling match if somebody had a different poster than you, and 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 it would be the one with the the kid holding the poster and you he'd be the one in the fight. Right. So man, they captured something special. It was a right place, right time, right. People, right. Energy. Um, And um, you know, it's, it's something that will never be duplicated. You'll, I I don't think you'll ever have an event uh, like the Toronto where it starts at 12 and ends up at 70. Um, Otherwise it'll end up as a Netflix documentary. Um, And um, you know, that's, Again, people came there because they wanted to know what was going to happen because they they believed it was real. It was Crazy. real. That was a live event. There's a difference yep. between a, a live show and a live event. That at that time was a live event. You had to know the outcome because you couldn't wait to find out. I want to be there and Hogan better kill him or Mr. Wonderful better kill him, you know, whatever.
0: Man, people were dying to see that show because WWE lists this, or they list the show. at seventy four thousand people. So I mean, yeah, you could so say they 70. might have inflated, but I mean, it was a it, it was insane and the, just the the raucousness of it and it was crazy. Hulk ends up winning by DQ to continue the feud, but man, look like, what a huge show! And to me, that is where Vince said we could do a stadium show and eventually it's going to be Hogan, Andre, but we could do a stadium show and we could have 90,000, maybe closer to a hundred thousand. Like we could do this, but I really thought that Hogan and your dad was like the first time he's like, damn, we could do this. That's how many fans we have. We have more fans than we think we have.
1: Yeah. He thought he, as, as I understand it. And again, just, you know, conversations I was able to have at the hall of fame or different places. um, He got way ahead of schedule. Like that was not anticipated. Um, that he would build to that, um, you know, long term, and for some of these, you know, bigger, you know, with W, you know, the 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 WrestleMania was its own thing. How, you know, the thought of doing WrestleMania every month is kind of the thought of of doing a stadium show and it not being just a WrestleMania. So this opened up the avenue for the Survivor Series or the Royal, Ru- you know, what I'm saying like all those events we now have as a regular, reoccurring, you know, annual thing. That was unheard of. You had WrestleMania, and that was unheard of. Well, to do a second one in the same year, what are you, what are you doing? Well, when you can pack out seventy thousand, you don't have to work because back then that was all profit, you know. Um, so that was a totally different animal uh, than we, than what we see today.
0: Man, the big event, seventy thousand plus people there for Hogan, and your dad is like, it's not going to stop there. So they have another match on Saturday night's main event um in 86 Anthemous which cage is match which well, actually before that they have oh, yeah. saturday's Saturday main event number seven from richfield um ohio hogan to feature dad by dq that was on 9 13 86 all leading up to so you're thinking like okay that's the big match no that's not the big one like they're building up to the cage match that does a 9.4 rating which i believe equates to something around twenty seven thousand or 20 000, oh, yeah. right 27 million people yeah Which then leads to the cage match in the end of 86. Um, I think it was taped, uh, technically taped on uh, 12-14-86, but it was shown on TV January 3rd, 1987. So that would be Saturday night's main event number nine. Over 10,000 people. I mean, it's a sellout in the building, but the the rating, 10.6, just 30 million people were watching your dad versus Hogan in the steel cage. Hulk. Just barely, by a certain angle, just barely gets the win. Did you not see my?
1: Would you not see my meme? Did you not see my picture? I'm very disappointed. Hold on, give me. Oh no, I didn't see it. Oh my gosh, give me a second. Why you think your dad won? What are you talking about? Hold on. You think you won? Just just
0: barely.
1: (laughs) Can can you read this? You can't see it. Paul Orndorff's feet touch first. Change my
0: mind. Uh, Ah. Oh yeah, I can see it.
1: He, it on. was announced at the stadium that the 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 announcer Danny uh had already had already appointed him the uh, the winner. So yeah, he absolutely was the winner. You know what's so mad you know again going back to you know saying something this magical, how the hell did they pull that off so well with the, yeah. the different height differences? I mean, gravity's gravity, but um, you know, because you ha- you're catching that live TV, like you have no room for error. Um and uh you know that just tells you about their their level of commitment to the ring and, and i think their teamwork and communication you know they may they may all have had their bumps and bruises but they work together very well
0: Man, yeah, that's so cool because it keeps your dad strong too because he never pinned him really every win it's you know either or 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 uh Orton hits him with the cast. He, he pins your dad there. Then it's a DQ. Then it's a counter. Then he he lands first on the floor. So everything is kind of designed to keep your dad strong. And I know we're going to re- lead to WrestleMania three. Your dad's not on the card. But I interviewed your dad before, and he said he was kind of on standby That's because right. the only possible replacement for Andre would be the other guy that sold out a stadium of 70000 plus with Hulk, and that was him. Right. So it, he kind of was like on standby. But they always kept him strong with Hulk just in case they needed another –
1: yeah Andre was Joel. not Andre uh and I you know again these are all stories uh but Andre as I understand it never signed a contract just about he would do it by a handshake and um would, you know be like my my bond is my word in the story and um uh so you know they didn't know if it, I don't think they knew until that night that they were if if, if Andre was going to let Hogan slam him like You know, they it was there was I think there was playing A, B and C on that backup. Now, I think my dad was the was the what I know or I know that my dad was the replacement. But I think if Andre had not done what needed, like there was other angles that they were prepared to go to, as I understand it.
0: I do think Andre was messing with Hulk a little bit because they're buddies and they were buddies. I'm getting a message a little bit. Let's <laughs> like, you're not going to job. Nah, well, Andre did that to that.
1: everybody. Cause he could, and he right. thought it was funny. And that's just, that was kind of, you know, if you, as I understand those that knew him, knew he was like that. And you didn't think twice about it, but you know, if you're an executive about to do, you know uh, you know, however many million shows and this, you're still building your, your foundation for this, company it's still fairly brand new in reality you got these major networks on with usa and you know nbc you got a lot riding andre better (laughs) better not be playing around or i've got you know i got a business to protect
0: i know they have a few house show matches and dark matches like superstars taping after that hulk finally gets some wins but i mean these are matches not on tv when you look at it it's like Man, they kept that few going, 84, 85, 86, and a little bit of 87. And then obviously Survivor Series, he'll be on his team. So, I mean, they're like still together, but it's funny. It's like, man, that's four years there of the Hogan era, of the golden era of wrestling. Your dad is a big part of of Hulkamania and a big part of keeping it chugging along.
1: Well, I, I, you know, dad made Hogan, Hogan made dad. Um,
0: And um,
1: I think, I think dad wrestling with Hogan and Hogan wing winning because of the way my dad was gave Hogan credibility as a wrestler um, because dad was so intense and tough. So he wasn't just hope wasn't hope wasn't just strength, right? He could actually wrestle with the, good, you know, those, those type people. And, and you gotta have, you gotta have that mix of characters that that kind of elevate the stature of your champion that, that show them being capable of, of taking on different villains. That's why you have the Joker and the penguin. They're so different but they're still just as capable of each other and, and, and and you need that. And so I, in my mind, um, you know, Rowdy was, um, God, he's such a great heel and such a great wrestler. Um, but my dad's run with Hogan is what built the foundation for Hogan. Um, because of the 10, if, if not because of the 11 matches, um, that they headlined either Saturday night live or wherever. Right. Um, and the fact that there was that many more, um, that was that, that, that built the first four or five years of, of, of WWF in the mainstream. And uh, you don't have a lot of these, um, you don't have a lot of this, uh, animosity and some of the, you know, what happens if you don't have a Paul Orndorff in Toronto, who do you throw in there? Well, back in the day, I don't, I'm not saying they, they wouldn't have had some good matches, but uh the cell and, and the intensity and the and the rivalry that happened between my dad and Hogan and how believable it was uh especially cuz my dad was so ripped even though you know Terry was so big um it just it you know again it's just something so special and uh you know two guys from Tampa
0: yeah look at that traveling the world going to Toronto and selling out 70,000 plus Saturday uh, Saturday nights main event just being just a juggernaut because if you look at it like the money made for hogan his top guys piper obviously is up there but your dad andre of course i think would probably be number one yep. or maybe savage at number one because of the way the money was structured in 89 when the mega power exploded they did the, the record for the wrestlemania buys and you know seven hundred fifty thousand, 000 all sorts of stuff so it's like your dad savage and andre are kind of like the top three not not a bad uh, company to be in there
1: no and i you know everybody has you know i always you know, I always compare it to, you know, my my dad is so popular and loved by so many because they grew up on him. And if my dad wrestled today, he would be just as believable and lovable and hated and wanted. And I mean, he would get just as over in today's wrestling as he would have back in 1984. Um, and the greats can do that. There's some guys back then that they had some good names and they were great wrestlers, but they wouldn't get over today. They have no personality when you go back and watch it. Um, it's just a gimmick. And that was just the name of the gimmick that day. Um, but the Rowdies, the Terry or Hulks, my dad, um, Savage, you know, you put them in any genre and their charisma and talent, um, is undeniable. And, you know, it, 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 I, rock was one in a generation. Uh, I, I don't think we've seen anything close to him ever. And then, you know, Steve Austin was once in a generation. Um, uh, and those to me are people that were so iconic that you, you know, you it, it's almost like wrestling was built around them in many ways. Um, I think that people don't realize how many great wrestlers were wrestling in 1984, 85, 86 and 87 that you may not have gotten introduced to until the nineties. Um, but dad trained a lot of those guys and, and was, it, it was who, who they, he, he was who they emulated. So his impact has been, held, you know, been been held strong. Uh, but uh, when you look at that era, uh, I don't think Hogan defines the WWF of 1984. I think he's a defining factor. But there's still so many other parts. Versus, there's time periods where I think The Rock was the center of the WWF world, um, and, and back then I think all of them were the center of that world, and that's what they were building together.
0: You just need that that central guy to focus on, then you need the guys with him, the Pipers, the Orndorfs, the Savages, the Bundys, the Andres. I mean, you need those other guys Yeah, as well. there's only one name
1: on a TV show, GI Joe, but there's a ton of other, sol- other soldiers that everybody likes, you know, that's,
0: yep. there's gotta be one name on the billboard. Yep. So as we hit the wind down here, we head towards the finish Tell us again where we can get all things Mr. Wonderful.
1: So we're on Instagram on uh, uh, Mr. Wonderful Official. That's, you know, M-R-1-D-E-R-F-U-L. We uh, just uh, have all of our uh, website up. Um, It's just all of our link tree at this point, but it's at uh, www.paulandorf.com. Um, and we're working on another website to be able to get our merchandise up and some different things as well as information as we, you know, start to gather some of this around, you know, the national health and awareness and stuff, uh, mental health, um, you know, we'll want to make sure that people have, uh, uh, resources to, to be able to get. And then, um, you know, we're PAU one, uh, uh, uh Orndorf. Um, on Facebook and on Twitter, and uh, you know, some kind of wonderful uh, uh, number one derful uh, uh, on Instagram, and uh, we start recording this Wednesday with Big Boss Man's daughter. So we we actually recorded with her twice. She's a good friend of mine now. She's uh, we've been talking for like six months. She's she, I swear she feels like family. I tell her that all the time. She's like my sister now. Um, but we recorded twice. Had some uh, uh, she had some equipment malfunction. We didn't find out until after we recorded that it wasn't recording from her vocals. So uh, we are re-recording a third time. We'll get that going. And then I've got a couple of guests already lined up. So we should be able to make this a bi-weekly thing. And uh, we're gonna start doing some Q and A's. And again, we got the uh, October 10th through October 31st, the 1000 uh, Hindu squat jump challenge. Uh, so that's 50 a day. We're giving away a free t-shirt, a hoodie, and uh, we've got some other gifts coming from some sponsors as well. And again, it's all about you know uh, mental health and awareness, ADHD awareness um, you know, suicide prevention and and really just bringing that conversation up, uh, for people, uh, that need help. You know, myself, I was one and, uh, I'm grateful. I had people that, that supported and wouldn't let me give up. So I'm going to be that for somebody else. And, and you can too. So John, thank you so much for bringing me on, man. It's always good to talk to you and, uh, uh, love the podcast. I wish you the best and God bless brother.
0: Thank you, uh, Travis. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan Era Podcast. We'll see you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash Empire. Become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.